Welcome to the Vulnerable Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Almeida. Each week, we'll share inspiring stories and tips on facing vulnerability and the lessons we can use to help us be able to find success and fulfillment in our own lives. With each episode, we hope to impact one listener. And if anything you've heard has impacted you, we'd appreciate you sharing it on social. Thank you for listening. Now let's get vulnerable. Amy Poehler said, It's very hard to have ideas. It's very hard to put yourself out there. It's very hard to be vulnerable. But those people who do that are the dreamers, the thinkers, and the creators. They are the magic people of the world. This is episode 26 of the Vulnerable Podcast with Michaela Alexis. At eight years old, her parents decided to split. And although unintentional, her father would leave on her birthday. This would unfortunately lead to her dealing with the fear of abandonment for most of her life. Wanting that picture-perfect family just like most children, she had to learn that although far from perfect, she still had love around her. But this also made her seem super positive on the outside, but on the inside, she felt hurt and disappointment. This would present itself in many different ways throughout her life, even as recently as the last few years. Facing agoraphobia and not feeling like enough made her fear starting her own business and following her dreams seem impossible for a really long time. Even though she's beginning to find her way when it comes to her career, life isn't done throwing her curveballs. Wanting to start a family has provided a new set of challenges, as she recently found out there is a very low chance of natural conception. Her openness with her community, although difficult, is helping her and she hopes helping others with their own struggles. Now she's a LinkedIn superstar, speaking on stages, and recently creating her first LinkedIn learning course. If you're looking for inspiration or insight on how to face life's hard choices when it comes to your career, she's one to follow. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to get vulnerable with Michaela Alexis. Hey, Michaela, thank you for coming on the Vulnerable Podcast. I'm really excited to have you here. Um, I mean, a few years ago when I hopped on LinkedIn and, and sort of you were there on the platform putting out content, I never in a million years thought I'd meet you, let alone, you know, have be, I have an opportunity to interview on my podcast. So I'm, I'm really appreciative of you uh, taking the time to come on here and share with us today. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate that. And I'm excited to be here because this is one of my favorite topics. Awesome. <laughs> so that being said, what is your definition of vulnerability? Ooh. I think that my definition of vulnerability is um, empowering other people. I think that vulnerability is all about not only sharing your story, sharing your scars and sharing your successes, but also sharing the lessons learned. And it's, it's all about giving energy to your audience. And I hope at least when I am vulnerable with my audience that they walk away feeling empowered, like they can conquer whatever it is that they're dealing with. So yeah, to me, it's vulnerability is power and empowerment. Awesome. I, honestly, it's funny. So sometimes when I get the definitions from my guests, I almost feel like they need to host my podcast. <laughs> the way that they say it is, is basically what I'm trying to achieve, uh, but they just put it into like a, into better wording. And that, that right there is exactly what I mean. Like for me, that's what this whole podcast is about sharing your struggles, but in a way that gives people a, a way that they can use it in their own lives on their own journeys and basically empowering them, like you said. So uh, thank you for that. Uh, so what would you say is your earliest memory of going through some sort of struggle or vulnerability in your life? My earliest memory of struggle um, going through something in my life. I mean, I think that we all kind of have those struggles throughout our years. Um, I don't know. I guess for myself, it was, uh, I had, I had a, a not so easy childhood. I had um, two parents that loved me dearly, but they had a marriage that wasn't exactly uh, a fairy tale. And so my dad left when I was eight years old and he actually left on my birthday. And that was really hard for me. And I, you know, and I know that the timing wasn't intentional or anything like that, but it, it really ended up kind of scarring me in a way that I, up until very recently, actually probably still to this day, um, really have, I struggle with birthdays in general because I still carry that fear of abandonment and those painful memories. So I think um, wanting so desperately when I was younger to have this picture perfect family and learning to be okay with the new reality and being okay with um, how things worked out and also learning to 
um, be grateful and happy for my parents that they found love in other ways and um, embracing uh, my new families. No. So what, like, you know, you, you said that it still affects you to this day in some ways, but I'm, I'm, as you sort of mentioned there in recent years, you've sort of found your way through it a bit, I guess. What would you say helped you to sort of overcome it or to, to get through it? Yeah. I think that for me as crazy as it sounds is, you know, my, my dad passed away in uh, February and as hard as that was, it's interesting when somebody is close to the end of their life, you end up having these really heartfelt conversations that are without ego, that are without all of these politics and um, things. And uh, so I had so many conversations with him and, and I think that we were really able to um, see each other for who we, we truly were. And I think at the end of the day, you know, after he passed, I, 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 at that point, felt like he truly loved me. Um, and in my mind, up until that point, I had felt like it was something that was like intentionally done, right? You know, here's this joyous day, this celebration. And like, wh- how, how come I'm not good enough that my, my dad doesn't want to stick around or my parents don't want to work it out? And knowing that it had nothing to do with me and um, that in most cases, all of those really hard times don't have um, much to do with you and have more to do with the other person. Um, And knowing that my dad loved me regardless of those things, I think was helpful to kind of move past it. No, I I can completely relate. I mean, um, you know, I had two passings in the last few years, both grandparents, one my grandfather and and one my grandmother from my dad's side. And there was complete differences in the two passings. With my grandfather, it was very quick and unexpected. And I dealt with a lot of these, like, you know, I could have done this and I should have done that. I should have seen him more. I should have called him more. And it was a very hard uh, passing for me to get over. Like the grief was period was much longer and much more painful. But then with my grandmother, I had more time with her. We knew that something had happened and we knew maybe we only had six months, which ended up being over a year. But nonetheless, I had that time to sort of spend with her and, you know, see that she was able to accept what was happening. And and it was a completely different experience. So I can see where you're saying, like, you know, having that time to spend with him and sort of talk about these things helped you not only deal with the fact that that was happening, but also things from the past. So I can completely relate with that. And, And I think conversations in general and communication in general is something we all need to practice more, whether it's with family members in our marriages or relationships or friendships, whatever, because I've seen how that helped me over the last year or so in terms of just improving a lot of parts of my life. So, but I'm glad that you were able to have those conversations and get some of that, that closure before he passed. So what, what new strength in yourself would you say you discovered going through something like that at such a young age um, like what, what did it present, you know, as time went on? Um, I think at the time it wasn't necessarily a strength. It was more of a, well, it's interesting. Cause I, I looked at it as a strength. I, I became very good because I, I did kind of come from a chaotic, chaotic home and I became very good at being miss positivity outside of the home, even though you know, I'll go home and be crying because of how bad things were. Um, and so at the time, I felt like that was a strength of mine, that I was able to deal with stress and chaos in that way. But as I got older, I realized that what I was actually doing is that I was happiest when I was disappointed. So when hmm. things weren't going well, that's when I was like, and I would step up to the plate. I felt good. And I've realized over time that, and that's morphed into all sorts of, I don't want to say terrible things, but in, in roadblocks in my career and in my life, um, because I am most comfortable when I'm disappointed, that's not a good (laughs) emotional home to be in. Right. And so I've had to be okay with letting go because really where that comes from is that there's a lot of anxiety when things are going well. And um, at least for me, it's always been, okay, well, when are things going to fall apart? Because growing up, things always fell apart. When things were good with my parents, at some point, things were going to fall apart, right? Um, even when things were going good, 
like with me in school, that's when I de developed agoraphobia. And so I've always kind of been waiting for the other shoe to drop. And I have had to do a lot of self-work and, and actually, um, it was about six months ago that I realized that I was kind of self-sabotaging in that way where, you know, if I business was too good, if I was taking on too many clients or opportunities, then I would stop answering emails. I would stop working as hard. I was unconsciously unraveling all of the work that I was doing. And I realized because I didn't want to take on opportunities that seemed too good to be true because I felt like at some point they were going to fall apart. And so I think noticing those patterns and those habits has eventually turned back into a strength where I have decided to move out of um, self-pitying zone and uh, into a much better place where I have to let go of the control and know that, sure, things might fall apart, but maybe not. Maybe this is the stepping stone that's going to allow me to achieve all the, the dreams that I've ever wanted, right? And so allowing yourself to be happy. It sounds so crazy when I say it aloud, but like allowing yourself to be happy, allowing yourself to enjoy the moment has been a huge learning curve. I'm sure that there's probably somebody that's out there that's dealt with, you know, a hard childhood or hard times where your you your mind becomes used to whatever it's it's surrounded by. And I think that if you're in those situations long enough, then it's really hard to be in any other place, right? It's yeah. hard to have a job that you like. It's hard to be in a good relationship. It's, it's hard to make a lot of money when you are so used to being broke and, and living paycheck to paycheck. So that to me has probably been the, the biggest um, lesson that I've learned over the past year is just to allow myself to let go. Because as I've seen, even with my dad, you can't control this stuff. You can't control life. Things are going to unfold the way that they're supposed to unfold. And you have to just allow yourself to live in the moment and enjoy it. Oh, I couldn't, I couldn't agree more with, with everything you had to say there. And I, 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 I've been through multiple of the same things in terms of like just being miserable because of my job and how that affects other parts of your life. And, and just coming to the realization recently through meditation, through reading a lot of books and, and everything that, you know, that you have to, like you said, you have to enjoy now. You can't worry about what's going to happen tomorrow or five years from now, or even what happened before, because all those things will just mess you up and keep you like to yourself. I mean, for the, the last, you know, 10 or so months when I sort of disappeared from social media, it was to do a lot of that work because I wasn't feeling like myself. I was putting myself out there, but it was only like half putting myself out there. And there was that negative self-talk that was still happening. So here I was being Mr. Like motivation and positivity for people. But then at home, I was like, mm, I, uh, I don't know if I actually even believe what I'm saying. So I understand where you're coming from. I guess the one good thing though, too, to take from what you said is that, you know, I, I feel like you were saying that, you know, you're able to be positive outside of the situation, but I feel like that positivity is stuck with you because the one thing I've noticed about you since, you know, I met you, I guess, on LinkedIn, you could, you could say is that you're a very positive or you put out a very positive vibe. Like you're, you're, you're usually smiling in, in any video or picture you put out there. And, and that's a good trait to have. I mean, whether you are going through struggles uh, at home or, or, you know, aside from where, what you're showing, just having a positive attitude can help a lot. And I know for me, most of my life, I've just been Mr. Positive and, and it's just helped me sort of avoid a lot of stresses and stuff that I think a lot of other people deal with. So again, you know, I think it's good that you were able to have that then and then work it to where, where you've got it now. So kudos yeah. to you. Thank you. Yeah. I don't, I, I feel like the difference is, is that when I was younger, the positivity almost felt like a survival mechanism, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Whereas now I am genuinely like, I look at, and I can tell the difference between when I'm like genuinely like feeling positive and feeling happy. Cause I look at myself and there is a difference between the two where you're just trying to survive versus being so grateful for the moment that you're in that you just glow. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. Definitely know what you mean there. But I won't get too much into my own story because the interviews about you, but I definitely know what you mean. So what what sort of... Uh, this next question is one that I'm trying to reformulate. So bear with me. But, you know, I used to ask people, how many times did you say you face struggle and vulnerability in your life? The problem with that question is, is that it's all in context to your life. You could sure. say a lot, but then what is that in comparison to other people or other situations? So what I'm trying to get at now is more so like, what 
and, and I think you've touched on this already, but what, uh, you know, emotional, physical, like what sort of tolls did this struggle and vulnerability that you faced throughout the years? And, and if you have other stories that you, you don't mind sharing, I'd appreciate that. But what would you say, like, what sort of toll has it had on you to, to sort of face these things over the years, whether it's, you know, your parents splitting up or other things that you faced as, you know, you got to this point? Um, what sort of toll has it taken on me? Uh, I mean, at the end of the day, so my, my current struggle right now, and, and we've talked about this a little bit, is the fact that I decided uh, a little over a year ago that I was finally ready. Like my career was in the right place. Like everything, like my husband and I had bought a house, like all of my plans had fallen into place. So I was like, I'm ready to start a family. But here's the thing, again, going back to control, you don't get to decide how your story is going to be laid out. Things will happen and you have to be uh, willing to embrace whatever unfolds. And so, you know, my husband and I have struggled with um, fertility. I have endometriosis. So I was recently told about a month ago that my chances of conceiving naturally are about 5%. And even now, like I can hear as soon as I say that the doctor telling me 5%, 5%, 5%. And that's hard if you are, you know, and, and high achievers are like that. You like to control your day, right? You can have your morning routine. You can control what's in your body. You can control all these things, but there's some things that are just not in your control. Like we've already talked about it. You know, what happened with my parents, you know, I can't force them to be in love. I can't force this like perfect uh, nuclear family that I had imagined or saw on TV. I can't force myself to become a mom. I can't hustle my way into parenthood. And so that's something that I've really struggled with, but I'm also trying to embrace the season of waiting right? I know that right now the chapter that I'm in is not of, um, you know, of change and all of these things. And it's just waiting. And, and I think also having, giving myself a little bit of grace through the process, because I think when I started this, I was in denial first, then I was really angry, like really angry. I would look online, I would see all these people that seem to just be having kids like left and right. And I'm like sitting here like, I can't even have one child. And so, and then it turns into envy and all these other things. And at one point I just kind of pretend like none of this was happening. And when I finally went to the fertility doctor, got the information that I needed. I just allowed myself to be angry, to feel all the things. And even now, you know, I, I, I basically baby myself emotionally where, you know, it's nice to be positive and a positive attitude does go a long way. But sometimes there are situations in your life where a positive quote or, you know, these sayings where everything happens for a reason it just doesn't cut it. And you need to allow yourself to sit on the bathroom floor and cry or yell or be angry or whatever it is that your body and your mind needs to make it to that next chapter. Um, so I'm embracing the grace that I'm giving myself as I go through this process because it's not easy. And there are emotions um, that pop up that I didn't even expect. Like I didn't, I didn't know that it would be so emotional. We haven't even gone through treatments yet, but just hearing, you know, that this is what your body's supposed to do and you're not able to do it. There is so much shame as a female when you are told that your body can't do what it's supposed to. And that's something that I didn't know or understand until I've experienced it. So I'm just embracing, you know, those feelings and talking about those feelings. So I know for me, when it comes to all of these things, anything that I've had to overcome in my life, the way that I've been able to is by being open about it. So I know that a lot of people talk about vulnerability, like it's this selfless act and in many ways, it, it is. It's hard sometimes to talk about some things that you're going through and to give energy to somebody else. But it's also so beneficial for your mind, body, and spirit. It really is. I don't know if I would have been able to, I'm going to get emotional and just talk about it, but talking about 
my 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 dad passing away and and having people kind of follow along that process and um being able to be open about my grief and then also talking about my fertility issues this year i don't think this past year which has been one of the hardest of my life and career i would be able to get through it if i hadn't been so open and people hadn't been reaching out to me and sharing their own experiences i really don't all right I think that the, the biggest point, and then this has come up in other episodes that I take from that is that we're not alone. Uh, there, there's a lot of people out there that are going through the same things. And when we find that relatability, it, it helps so much. When I lost my job, as, as much as it's not anything in comparison to what you've gone through, when I lost my job two years ago and I started putting it out there and I realized, okay, I'm not the only one, <laughs> you know, and I, in the moment it feels like it, it feels like you suck and like there's something wrong with you or whatever. But then, you know, you, you put it out there, like you're saying, and you realize, wow I'm not the only one when I put out stuff about even like my marriage and what was going on there same thing and you know and it's it's really interesting too like I found that not only has it been like external people and like people online but my own parents my mom my aunt they, mm-hmm. they've been following along a lot of the stuff that I put out there mostly through Facebook because that's where all our moms and aunts hang out but <laughs> anyways <laughs> nonetheless you know they when I put it out there they've come to me and been like wow that was like really brave of you and like you know here's something that's happened or whatever. And it's, it's, it's really, it's really interesting that, you know, like you're saying, we, we worry about it, but then you put it out there and you realize, well, this isn't such a bad thing after all. And, and aside from that, I think the other thing to take too is like suppressing it isn't definitely like the probably worst thing you can do because you'll just bottle it up and then years from now it'll all come out at once. And then people will be like, what the hell? So, so I definitely agree, you know, like put it, like whether it's putting it out there to everybody or just putting it out there to close friends and family, whatever it is, you, you got to talk about it, I think, because like you said, if you just hold it in or, and if you don't get it out there, and you're not open, it's probably going to mm-hmm. be a lot harder to deal with. So mm-hmm. yeah, I, uh, I think that when you are open about the things in your life, you inadvertently give other people permission to also talk about their life. And I agree with you, I have friends and family that we've known each other, but we've never seen each other in that way. And just talking about some of the things that I talk about has improved my relationships, not just like online, just people messaging me, but offline as well, where I can have real conversations. And I think that matters. I think that, you know, when we talk about vulnerability, we're talking about our audience and we're talking about ourselves. But I think that at the end of the day, we have a human duty to release, try and release other people from the things that are holding them back. And in many ways, it's these deep, dark truths that people think that it's, they're the only ones dealing with it and they just need you to voice your pain so that they can finally acknowledge theirs. And so I think it goes beyond just a content strategy or, um, um, you know, posting online. It's, it's a human duty that we have to each other to remember that we're all connected. No, I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. Like when I started out on social, there was no strategy. It was just doing exactly what you're saying, putting it out there and just letting it sort of be. And whoever comes to me and whoever connects me with great and however I can help them. Awesome. And and that's how it all started for me. And that's when I felt the best about it. When I started like, you know, chasing like uh, money and a brand and all this sort of stuff is when I started feeling weird about it. So I couldn't agree more that you know, that we do have that duty to help each other. I mean, I've heard over and over again through books and podcasts that I listen to that things that the best things in happen in the best things in life happen when you're in service to others. And so I'm really trying to make that a a focus right now in my own life, whether it's in service to family, my wife, friends, or people I've never met. I'm really trying to focus on that because I've seen how it's helped me. And if other people are saying it, you know, you don't hear the same thing 10 times because it's, you know, made up. It's because it's actually probably, it's real, you know, other people have experienced it for a reason. So, Mm -hmm. so is there, I mean, I know a few more of your stories, but I don't want to to push you into telling any, anything else, but is there anything else that you can share that, I, I mean, for me, I think one of the biggest ones that, that inspired me about your story was when I first sort of, um, was, was, uh, what would what's the word I'm looking for <laughs> when I first saw you on LinkedIn and, and you yeah. sharing about like your career sort of path and, and getting to where you were and all that kind of stuff I think that for me was inspiring and maybe that's because I just got let go from my job and I was trying to figure out that part of my life too but yeah. you know if you don't mind would you would you share some more of that as well 
I mean, yeah, I've, I, I haven't had a straight line of a career at all. Uh, I started my, my first job or I shouldn't say my first job, my first marketing job, I dressed up as a can of beans. So definitely not a glamorous, uh, career path. Um, but I think that I've had more of a squiggly line than a straight line. Um, and I've had to learn a lot throughout my journey. I started off, um, I actually went to school for legal studies and I don't know, I panicked. I realized that I didn't want to become a lawyer and, um, my parents were super happy that I, instead of taking my LSATs, I ended up going to California, um, spent some time bartending, um, basically did the polar opposite of what I'd done for six years and started cleaning toilets and urinals from there, uh, dressed up as a can of beans at one point, and then just kind of kept experimenting and learning more about myself as I went along. Um, for me, the turning point on LinkedIn was certainly when I was let go from the tech startup that I was working at uh, about a month from my 30th birthday. And I don't know if it's the same for dudes. Um, for women, you start to think about where your mom was at. When you, <laughs> my mom was like pregnant with, I don't know if she was like on the second or the first. Anyways, she was, she was with child. <laughs> at, at that point, she had a, a house, her a husband was a doctor. She had kind of her stuff together. Um, and so I started to kind of think about, well, look at where I am. I'm don't have a house. I don't have a stable career. I certainly don't have a family. I've got one puppy and that's it. And so I felt like a failure and there's a lot of things that can come from, I think those really hard, dark times where you can do one of two things in those scenarios. And I've been in the, I'm sure that you can probably relate to this. You have a choice at certain times in your life to choose comfort and security or to choose greatness. And sometimes that means being courageous and doing something that you haven't done before. And so at that moment in my life, I decided to change it. I was fed up. I tried to change it. Instead of sending out resumes, I decided to start writing on LinkedIn and start sharing some of the experiences that I was having and also really trying to be of service. Like you mentioned, just reaching out to people saying, Hey, this is what I have to offer. Uh, here's some tips for how to use social media better. I was just giving whatever I could and something really incredible happened through that process. I was blown away when I first mentioned that I was going to not send out any resumes. I was just going to rely on community to land my next job people that I didn't know started reaching out to me saying, I don't know who you are, but we need somebody that <laughs> has your attitude in our business. And it's so funny to me because I'm like, I just had nothing to lose at that point, right? <laughs> um, and so I ended up getting like four job offers in like a two week period, which I'm sure as a job seeker, you know, that's not like something that typically happens. I know when I have left uh, jobs before it's taken me like two, three months, maybe longer. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm certainly not having people like climbing over each other to try and offer me positions. Um, and so at that point I felt like I had stumbled upon something really amazing. And so I wrote an article on LinkedIn called how I landed my dream job in two weeks. And again, the intention was service. I had all these job seekers that were kind of following along and people that were invested in my story at that point. And so I just wrote an update basically being like, Hey, here's where I landed and this is how I did it. And I was blown. Like I remember the day cause I was, I had to go get a police check and I went and bought, bought groceries, come back home. And I try to open the LinkedIn app on my phone and it just keeps like closing and i'm like okay well you know like linkedin is glitchy yeah. so i'm like something's wrong with the app i go on to the desktop version and i don't know if you remember this but like in 2016 you had all these advanced analytics of like who's looking at your profile yeah. and also sort of graph of like how much your traffic is climbing i couldn't open up that analytics section so when i say like when i talk about like viral this is like a different level like i could not open certain sections like LinkedIn just didn't know what to do. <laughs> and I knew like, cause I opened up my messages and um, like within an hour, LinkedIn had reached out to me asking if they could reshare my story and send me a box, like congratulating me on this new job. And I look in the corner to see how many connections 
like I, I see like there's a new connection ad. So I go to add the new connection and there's like 13,000, <laughs> there's like 13,000 pending connection requests. And I'm like, what is happening? What did I just do? <laughs> but I think that was like my aha moment because I realized in that moment, one of two things is that service does matter. Like you're, you're saying there are magical things that can happen when you have the intention of serving and leading others and helping others. And two, I realized that there is an incredible amount of power in vulnerability and sharing your story. Like the, the post that I had done wasn't about me bragging about what I had achieved. It was about sharing the lessons that I had learned with others so that they could achieve that. I had no, there was no, nothing braggadocious about yeah, yeah. any oh, of it. I remember. Yeah. So so that that's i think that's what is that the story that you're thinking yeah about? yeah no i mean I, I like i said i remember it because i i remember reading that article and it was part of what started to shift my way of thinking because it, i although i was around the same age i was like 31 i think when i got let go although i didn't compare myself to my mother i did compare myself to to just life in general and saying sure. like i'm 31 years old i thought by 31 like i'd have my dream career i'd have yeah. this i'd have that so I, I completely relate with where you were at at that point because like for like the first probably week after it happened, that's all that went through my head is like, what's wrong with me? Like, why don't I have my dream career? What is my dream career? Like a million questions hit you. And I just remember reading that article and going, okay, so I'm not the only person that's here. Right. And then it was just sort of, like you said, there was those parts in there that just talked about like what you did and, and how you sort of overcame it and how you worked through it. And it was inspiring to me and your entire journey, if, if I'm being completely honest, has been inspiring to me and I'm sure other people as well, because it just sort of brings back that whole thing of like, you know, you, you might, everybody starts somewhere. Right. And although at one point you were cleaning urinals and toilets, now look at what you're doing. And that's inspiring. I think for me and a lot of people, because we all get to these points where we're like, am I ever going to get to where I want to be? Mm -hmm. And the truth is you can, but you have to decide, you have to make that choice. Like you said, to be courageous and to take the chances and to take the risks. And when you do make that choice, I think that's where all the magic happens. Like I, I was saying a lot last year, like nothing good happens within your comfort zone. It's all outside of your comfort zone. And once okay. you get outside of it and you, even if you just a little bit, you start to realize, yeah. okay, well, wow, this is actually feels good. And then you do it a little bit more. And then, you know, like my next thing is to jump out of a plane. Cause that's one of my biggest fears is heights. So I'm like, oh, if I want to get out of my comfort zone, oh. I got to do it, you know, all in. <laughs> so, yeah. So I, I know a lot of people talk about self-love. Like that's like a, a big key word of 2019. And I don't think that you can have, true self-love until you can recognize your own abilities and I think that a big part of that I, I'm telling you I have never been more in love with myself than when I do something that I thought I couldn't do like mm -hmm. to me that's true love because you realize your own abilities and you're like I'm a badass like, <laughs> I, like I'm a superhuman it's there is no greater feeling than being proud of yourself and I think that the only regret that I have in my career is the fact that I had all these expectations and I felt like things needed to go a certain way. And I subscribed to basically this idea that there's a blueprint of success and that you need to achieve things by a certain age. Just like you're mentioning, we internalize all that stuff. And I look around the people around me. My dad immigrated to Canada in his 30s. He and then went to med school. He already had a family back in Trinidad um, that he had to bring over. And he ended up being incredibly successful in his life and had seven kids and all of these great things. My mom was, uh, she had actually done the Olympic trials and made it past the trials and um, ended up having an injury in track and field. And she stopped running basically all throughout like my childhood until her and my dad got divorced. She's around, I want to say 50. She's probably going to be like, oh my God, why are you talking about how old I am? <laughs> um, and instead of wallowing in self-pity, you know what she did? She went out and she got some shoes and she hit the, the racetrack. Now she is traveling the world. She's broken world records. Like huh. she is like top, one of the top runners in the world in her age group. And she's just a badass. She's just amazing. And so... I think it's important to not just look at the expectations of society, 
but find those real stories because those real stories are everywhere. I'm just talking about my parents, but like there are those incredible stories of people that are achieving greatness at any age or any stage in their life that are all around you. And those are the, to me, those are the most inspiring ones because you look at those and you say, if they could do it, I could do it. So there's, there's no such thing as too late. I don't think. No, I, I, I agree. And, and again, you know, the whole message behind this podcast is the same thing is uh, for me the I don't care how old you are. I don't care what your struggle was. Uh, I'm going to have you on here because I want to give different perspective to different things, right? Whether it's the age that you did something, whether it's a physical disability, maybe that you had or, or an emotional struggle, whatever it is, like, I want to give the diversity to vulnerability and to the just to the lesson that, you know, these struggles are I feel at least again, in my opinion, I haven't done any study you know, on this or not, whatever, but I feel like 90% of us, if, if you really think about it, your struggles are what got you to where you are. It's those things that you had to go through that pushed you to get to where you are now. But a lot of us just don't make that correlation. We just somehow think it just happened or whatever. <laughs> and then yeah. if you were to look back, and that's what I'm trying to get through with this podcast, is that you can learn something from these struggles. You can learn something from these vulnerabilities. And if you really look at it closely, it might be the thing that's going to push you forward to the next step or whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. So I, I definitely agree with what you had to say there. So how would you say that everything that you've been through um, throughout your, your life up until this point, how would you say it's all helped you get to this point? Um, well, I know, especially when it comes to agoraphobia. So for those that you don't know, that don't know, uh, agoraphobia is essentially, it's a phobia that you have a fear of um, crowds in public spaces. And so I was basically like, I, I really struggled even leaving the house for about a year and a half. Like I couldn't go to restaurants. I couldn't go to theme parks. I couldn't go to movie theaters, like all the things that we take for granted. And I know that that experience has done a couple things. It's made me really, really grateful for every day. Like the fact that now I can travel the world and uh, speak on stages and um, do all these things that I never thought possible is such a joy. But the other thing that I learned in that process is that, like we've talked about earlier, there are points in your life that you have two decisions. Like for me, it was, I, I remember standing on the train and what happens when you have agoraphobia, it might be different for other people, but for me, I would become physically ill being around other people. I would have actual breakdowns if I was in crowded spaces. I would just get really panicked. And so I really struggled being on the train. So I'd have to take the train to school. And usually I couldn't get past like the first stop. I would get off and then I would have to go back home. And there was at one point I had studied for weeks for an exam and I get on this train and I feel myself starting, my whole physiology is changing. I'm about to have a panic attack. And in that moment, I had to decide I've studied for weeks. I have two choices here. I can either go back home right now, fail the class, probably not graduate, and this will all be a waste, or I can stand on this train in the midst of a panic attack and say, screw it, I don't care who sees me as weak, because I'm still going to go into that room and take that test. And in that moment, just as quickly as I had developed agoraphobia, it disappeared. And I think that I learned in that process that you know, we tend to think that the people around us or the circumstances around us have the most power in our lives. And I'm telling you that your brain can make you afraid. Your brain can prevent you from doing the things that you need to do or that you should be doing that are going to help you conquer all of your goals. Or you can say, no, I understand I'm afraid, but I'm going to do this anyways. And so I have those feelings, you know, there are lots of times where I'm panicked pretty much every time. I mean, I'm a speaker. So if I wasn't nervous before I got on stage, that'd be kind of weird. Um, <laughs> but I know at this point that I have the power to choose to do something, even if I'm afraid. No, it's funny because as you're, you're talking right now, like uh, our mutual friend, Chantel Sumas, um, a lot of what you're saying is stuff that came up in her episode too, where we talked about this whole thing of like, you're the only person in control. Like you can blame it on everything else. You can blame it on your health. You can blame it on people. You can blame it on whatever you want, but only you have control to make yep. a change, to make a difference, to, to do whatever you want. So 
again, completely agree with with what you're saying there in terms of like it's all up to you. And and I've noticed that too. Again, like reading books and stuff like that, like how much power is up here is it's crazy. crazy. Yeah, <laughs> like, I don't think people realize that you can make yourself physically ill, but you oh, yeah. in any situation if you start thinking about oh my gosh, this is a threat your body will go into fight or flight mode and you can make yourself physically sick in any scenario. Yeah. But you can also say, okay, I see that I'm afraid, but I'm still doing this thing. No, I, so I read this book called the Buddha's brain, which when I say the title to people, everybody thinks I'm turning into a Buddhist and like whatever. And I'm like, no, 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 that's not at all what it is. And it's just, it's basically this guy that wrote a book on neuroscience, but in with a a twist on it that does talk about like buddhism and meditation but what i took from the book was how much control your brain has over your body and the reason is is because as i was reading through it so my wife sort of had uh, she has a little bit of like the that ibs issue like issues with like her stomach and digesting certain things and and mm-hmm. what i what i noticed as i was reading this book is it talked about like your stress levels and how certain stress levels can affect certain parts of your mind and then that can affect parts in your gastrointestinal like system and I was just like that's nuts and I and literally as my wife started to sort of work through it and stop stressing from work it started to disappear and I was like this is crazy because like I'm reading it and then I'm seeing it happen so Mm -hmm. it's just nuts and then even like another book I read was called The Art of Happiness by the Dalai Lama and it Mm -hmm. talks about how um, if you have and I talked about this I think in Chantel's episode as well is that unwholesome thoughts which are thoughts of like hatred and uh, anger and all this kind of stuff actually can cause more cardiovascular um, issues. And mm-hmm. so most cardiovascular disease is caused by, you know, the amount of anger and this and that that you have in your life. And I was just like, this is crazy. Like, this is absolutely nuts that your mind actually has this much of an effect on every little part of your your life, whether it's your body or your exterior, whatever it is. So it's, again, it's, if more people I think were to understand that I think we'd all be thinking a little differently well I think it's interesting I mean I know for myself like I always struggled with anxiety and sometimes the anxiety is you know our conscience telling us this isn't you're not where you're supposed to be this isn't the right job and so sometimes we like just ignore it and we're like medicate more medicate more medicate more and it's like if you're having breakdowns in the parking lot that's a pretty good sign that it's time to move on. I don't understand why. And I've, I've been there too. So, you know, I can relate. I, so many of us choose paying our bills over our mental health because we feel like there's no other alternative. Like mm-hmm. we've almost been taught that we need to suffer through our work. Right. We got to stay. It's the comfort. It's, I, I think at the end of the day, it's the comfort We're we're like, even just at my work right now, I'm sorry if I cut you off, but it's just like, I hear people talk about like the, the, like, uh, what do you call it? Like the stock where the company gives you stock and they're mm-hmm. RSP and they're this and they're that. And I'm just like, you guys are all, and no offense to people. If that's what you want to do, I'm not trying to like, you know, tell people this is how you have to do things, but I just realized like how companies and certain jobs, they get you stuck in this comfort zone because you think like, I have to rely on this job because not only is it paying my bills, but it's providing me with something for the future or whatever it is. And you get caught into this thing of just like, this is what I know. This -hmm. is what I'm comfortable with. This is what I'm going to do for the next 20, 30, however many years. I mean, there's, that's, there's a big payoff there. I mean, or trade-off. I know when I was working jobs that I shouldn't have been working, not only do you develop anxiety and depression because you feel like you have no escape, but you also pass those feelings onto your spouse. There's no way you cannot kind of compartmentalize the the crappy things that are going on in your life. If you have a family that gets passed on to your kids, that gets passed on to your spouse, that gets passed on to your family members. And so I noticed that when I started working solo, my, my marriage became stronger. And that was something that I wasn't necessarily expecting because we all like to believe that we're better than that, that we, we don't take out our work stress on everybody around us. But if you're in a bad mindset, you can't just turn it off. Yeah. That's not how it works. You need to be happy with what you're working on and you need to, and that is going to be critical to, because then what ends up happening is that you're anxious. You take your anxiety out on your spouse you and your spouse are arguing, having a bad relationship or um, having issues at home is going to affect your work. And it becomes this vicious cycle where you feel 
Like everything is terrible. Yeah. No, I, I, I was standing over right? here. Like, I don't know if I'm going to release the video to this, but I was standing over here literally nodding the entire time because I know like, I, I, I don't want to, I, I don't know. Cause I've had about 20 episodes, but I want to say this is the most relatable one for me only because everything that you're saying, not, not everything, but most of what you're saying, I've experienced in the last little while in my life in the same way. Like, yeah, in the same in the same way. Like the jobs that I had in the past, I would come home miserable from. And my wife told me like a year ago or so we were having a conversation and she was like, you know, you would come home from work and you would just bitch about your day and you wouldn't even ask how mine was. And I was like, I didn't know that. Like I honest yeah. to God, like it, I wasn't purposely doing yeah. it. I wasn't yeah. trying to be an asshole, yeah. you know, for yeah. lack of a better way of putting it. Yeah. But I was. And, yeah. you know, and sometimes you don't even notice it because you're just so caught up in, like you said, that cycle of just like, you know, go to work, come home, eat dinner, go to sleep, go to work. And it's just this cycle and you just get yeah. so caught it up gets, in it. You don't know what else is going on. It gets more and more toxic. And uh, like, I don't know if anybody can relate to this, but I remember sitting in my car in certain parking lots, like I'm at work or at home, because I'm trying to figure out which is worse. Like <laughs> being at home or being at work because again they feed onto each other when things are good at home things can be good at, at work and when things are good at work they're good at home mm -hmm. but when you get into this mode of like doing things that you're not supposed to be doing when you're calling is like hello I'm over here you're supposed to be doing this thing and you say no no no, no. I'm gonna keep working at this job that I hate and maybe one day it's gonna get better and you get end up getting in this vicious cycle you spend a lot of time in your car <laughs> because there's nowhere to go that feels safe yeah. that feels like that's where you can just be yourself and just breathe because you've you've kind of dug this hole for yourself so yeah. I've been there and and to me those moments where I'm sitting in my car like I don't know where to go because all of this sucks are the moments that I'm like I've got to change something yeah, no, I mean, and I think there's other ways that people cope with it too. I mean, whether it's sitting in your car, whether it's coming home and drinking, you know, half a bottle of wine, whether going it's, you know, yeah, going to the bar, whether it's indulging in other things. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've done a Gambling. few different things. Yeah. You know, uh, it could be even drugs at some points, you know, like yeah. I, I've, I've been there, you know, in yeah. a few different ways. And, and so I get it, you know, it's, you're trying to find that escape when, the only escape is getting yourself out of that situation, which again, like we said, is harder to do, but sometimes it takes that courage to do it, to actually, you know, make you realize like, holy cow, like there was better out there for me. I mean, and, and, you know, like I said earlier, like, I'm not trying to say everything's for everybody, but like, I think sometimes, like I said, when you, when you get out of your comfort zone, when you do something uncomfortable, you, you end up finding out a lot more. Like even for me taking this job that I'm in right now, it's physical labor. I spent years in sales, sitting in an office all day. And now that I do this job, I'm like, wow, now I have another skill. And because it's a physical labor job and because I only work certain hours and I punch in and I punch out, I've realized I can still do something to make money, but it's not affecting every other part of my life because right. when I punch in, I work. When I punch out, I'm done work and that's done. it. Whereas a lot of other careers, you know, you might come home from work, but it doesn't mean you're done work. You could still be working for another two, three. So it's, it's interesting, like I said, how when you do things that you're not necessarily comfortable with or that you, you wouldn't have usually done or thought about doing, how much you can actually learn from them. So Yeah, again. I think that everybody should almost be like a doctor in their own life. So like when I, one of my first jobs, when I realized that um, it was time to leave, it was because basically... I felt that numbness. It's like no place feels safe. Like I don't, I don't know what's wrong, but everything feels wrong. And so I almost like, like, here's the symptoms. It could be one of these things. I don't know what it is because everything just seems terrible. And so the first move that me and my husband did, or he was actually my boyfriend at the time is we were living downtown. And that to me was kind of contributing to my anxiety. So I'm like, okay, the first step that I need to do is to move away physically from the source of stress. And so I moved from downtown to uh, the, the country-ish area, the suburbs. And immediately I would actually feel, as soon as I got to a certain point outside the city, I'd start to feel more calm. And then I realized that there was still like anxiety when I would go into the city. And that was a moment that I realized that I could not keep working at the places that I was working. And that's when I ended up leaving. But I think sometimes you actually have to sit down and go back to basics, be like, here are the symptoms. Here are all the things that it could be. So let's experiment. Let's take away this. Let's take away this and then see what happens. And I think that's the best way to kind of figure out, 
you know, is it, is there something wrong with your relationship? Is there something wrong with where you're working? Is it your routine? Cause it's, it could be a whole bunch of different things. No, definitely. Uh, just out of curiosity, did you do any journaling throughout the time that this was going on? Or do you do journaling now or? I, just... I, listen, my journaling is a note section on my phone. So oh, <laughs> it doesn't matter really. I'm going to have to put it in my will somewhere that like I'm going to have to go into my phone and just delete all of my notes. <laughs> oh, no, wherever you put it. I just, I just was curious because yeah, I got to write it like, down. Yeah, it seems like, you know, like the, everything that you've had to work through, I can't imagine that you're just doing this all in your head because that would just, I think, get messy. So I just was curious because as you're telling people these sort of, you know, steps that you took and things that they could do, I just find that for me, at least journaling has been important mm-hmm. for me. And so I just wanted to see, uh, you know, just sort of that curious mind thing where I was just like, I wonder, and, you know, knowing how much you write as well, aside from that, yeah. I figured you might. So, um, but yeah, just another sort of tip, I guess, for people. So. So at this point in your, in your life, in your career, would you say that you found success and fulfillment in your life or would you say that you're still on your journey towards it? Um, I think that, you know, as long as I'm, I actually have, I have one tattoo on my body. It's on my rib cage and it says boundless. And the reason that I got it was, um, I believe that as long as I'm breathing, the opportunities are boundless. And so I think that, you know, I'm always going to be a student of life and, I'm very happy. I'm like, like absurdly happy to the point where sometimes people will ask me about like what I've been doing and what I'm up to. And I get emotional because I never thought that something like this existed. I always thought that you either needed to like your job or make a lot of money. And I didn't know that you could actually make a living doing something that you genuinely enjoy. And I I feel so grateful for that opportunity. That's not to say that there aren't hard times. I mean, just this week, I've learned of all these tax rules that I don't, under, and it's, it's, a, it's <laughs> chaos, like working yeah. for yourself is chaos. And so there are certainly moments, and there have been over the past year, where I wonder if I can continue doing this. You know, when my dad passed away, when you're the only one that's working in your business, that's really hard, because everything stops. Um, and it, it's hard to continue working when you feel that way. Um, so there are definitely hard times, but I think overall, that that doesn't compare to the, the fulfillment that I have of being able to wake up every single day and genuinely be doing what I love. I mean, I've got a dream board right beside me for 2019 and almost everything that's on there from um, maybe minus the working out. Um, every let's say everything other than body but even with body because I've really I've been doing keto since uh May so I've been a lot more conscious of the things that are going into my body and just um treating my body as a temple especially as I go through this fertility journey um so much of that that's on there is now complete and I I expected that to take like a decade and so to look at it and be like even though those days where I'm like, oh, gosh, I'm such a failure. I can't do this. I look at this thing. I'm like, oh my gosh, I, I did all that. That's amazing. Right. Yeah. So, and again, I think it goes back to being proud of yourself and setting goals that are, are for you. Um, I definitely came from the corporate world where I landed up leaving my, uh, the job that, or the um, company that I had helped build and that was super hard. I got into a place where I had the corner office and the pre- prestigious title and all of these things that I've been working for towards for decades. And then I ended up in that place and I looked around and I'm like, oh shit, I'm not supposed to be here. This is not my dream. Yeah. It, was, it was what I thought I, w- I was supposed to achieve. And so to now be kind of scaling back to basics and saying, what really matters to me? What goals are important to me that if nobody else knew about them, I would still be proud of myself. And that's not easy. It really isn't because sometimes you might think like, yeah, yeah, my goals are for myself. But when you create the goal, you're imagining the applause, you're imagining telling your parents or telling your spouse about this great thing that you did. Creating goals that you, that matter to you are, it's a little bit different, but it's so worth it. It's so worth it because when you achieve those things, there's, there's no greater feeling. No, I, and the other thing I've noticed too recently is like, uh, when you talked about how, you know, you, you imagine that moment of like telling your family and this and that and so on. What I found recently is that when you do things and you do them for you, and then you have that little bit of success, those people notice it anyways. So you don't even have to worry about like, you know, whether you're going to tell them and whether they're going to be proud. Like I found that 
when I was trying to make people proud, if that makes sense, like when I was trying to tell them about things and make them proud, it didn't feel as good as when it no. just came to me, right? Like, but well, because nobody cares about your goals as much as you do. So you always no, imagine in your head, I don't, maybe, maybe it's just, yeah, me. No, maybe, no. I, maybe I'm just like a narcissist or something, but <laughs> I imagine like I'm calling like my mom and she's like, oh my God, yeah. like on Oprah, like winning a free car. It's like, in the, rea- the reality is she's like, oh, that's cool. Yeah. So are you coming over for dinner? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, damn it, that took me six months, mom. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I know what you mean. Like I said, and, but I think it's, it's interesting, like I said, when you get that validation when you didn't expect it. Like when I started this podcast, as I might have mentioned earlier, like, you know, my mom and my aunt are the first two people that have come to me and said something about it. I never expected that in a million years. I thought, you know, as parents, they're going to look at this as like, oh, that's a great hobby. I hope you're having fun, Brian. But then they come to me and they're like, oh, I listened to this episode and it actually made me think about things differently. I was like, oh my God. I'm like, these are like the people that I didn't expect to, yeah. to you know, to have an impact on and that I am. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's interesting. Like, like I said, I where, that. you know, you're, you're, you're doing things to maybe make people proud. And what you don't realize is that they actually are proud. And anyways, we could get into a whole, you got to make yourself proud first. Yeah. hundred like, percent. I know even for myself, one of the biggest lessons that I learned, you know, especially after my dad passed away is to really take advantage of each and every moment. And the fact that I work from home, sometimes we get stuck in this like work mode where we're constantly just grinding away and we miss moments, right? I have mm-hmm. two dogs at home and there have been weeks where I just didn't walk the dogs and just focused on work. And um, ever since my dad passed, that's one of my goals is just to walk my dogs in the morning, walk them at night and, and keep the phone away, like put the phone in my pocket and just enjoy that, the, the different seasons with them. Yeah. Um, and so that seems like such a, maybe a small goal to other people, but it's not easy. It's not easy to uh, make a goal of being more present. Um, but I think that's probably the goal that I'm most proud of. You know, when I talk to my husband, like when we have dinner, we put the phone away. We're not watching TV. We actually speak to each other, little things like that, that to me really like that's, that's what makes my entire day and what makes my entire year. No, I couldn't agree more. I, I, I've been off of it for a little while because we just got a new puppy. She's like nine Aww. weeks old. Yeah. And so I, but for like a couple months before we got her, um, I was waking up at 5 a.m. every day and I was doing uh, the, the 5 a.m. club routine. I don't know if you know Robin Sharma and his new book. I read it and then I was like, okay, I'm going to start this. So I was getting up at 5 a.m. every day. I was walking for 20 minutes. I was uh, journaling for 10. I was meditating for 10. And then I was reading for 20 minutes. And my phone would stay away, like you're saying, except I think I use it for a timer, but like I wouldn't touch social, I wouldn't touch email. And then even for like an hour after I finished the routine, I still wouldn't touch it. And now like even when I charge my phone at night, I charge it in my kitchen. I don't charge it anywhere near my bedroom. And even with my wife, like she used to watch TV every night before she went to bed. Now she's listening to sleep stories. Um, I love meditation. sleep stories. Yeah, like, yeah, exactly. Calm, exactly. I love yeah. those. But it's just, it's funny, like how, you know, you, you start to implement these habits and yeah. how it makes that much of an impact in your life. And same thing, like when we go out for dinners or even when we're at home, like the phones don't come out. We have much deeper conversations. So I can, again, like I said, this, this, this whole episode is very relatable for me because I've, I've experienced a lot of the same things in the last few years with my marriage and family and so on and so forth. So but kudos to you to, to realizing that, you know, it's, it's important to get that time and to appreciate it and to spend the time in the now. I've seen a lot of people around me where they're focused so much on the future or the past and they forget about what's going on right now. And it's unfortunate because, and I mean, I'm not perfect and I only realized this recently, but it's unfortunate when you realize it and you want to make other people realize it too, because if you were to just, everybody would spend a little more time focusing on how good things are right now and being more grateful, as you mentioned, I think they'd be a lot better off in their lives, at least in my yeah. opinion, again. Yeah, we always think that we have more time. And I think that sometimes those, those really hard realities, like um, experiencing loss, especially when it's unexpected. My dad uh, passed away within a month. And that so it was like we had a little bit of time, but it was unexpected. Yeah. And that just, I've stopped myself anytime I'm saying, Oh, I'll, you know, next time I go to my mom's, I'll uh, make sure to take more photos or next time I go and hang out with my family, I'm going to do this. I stop myself from doing that now because you just, you don't know. And so just enjoy the moments, take the photos that you're, you're wanting to take the trip with your family. I mean, you know, my, especially on my mom's side, 
I have been planning for such a long time of taking a trip with my mom. And um, so now we're really actually planning for next year going on a European trip, but like do it now. Cause you just yeah. don't. No, exactly. I, I literally just said to my dad a few weeks ago, he's about to retire. And he was talking about like, his dream has always been to own a Cadillac. And, and he was like, Oh, but it might be too expensive and this and that. And I said to my dad, the exact words where you can always make more money. You can't make more time. And so I can completely relate with what you're saying. Like you, you, people need to realize like you don't know. And then he's like, yeah, but you're young. You can say that. And I said, dad, I said, yeah. it could happen to me tomorrow. Yeah. I go, I could be gone before you are. I go, so that, that to me doesn't, I don't even listen to that anymore because it doesn't make sense to me because I don't know. You don't know. Nobody knows. Right. So I can completely relate. So we're down to the last uh, couple of questions here. One's a question, one's more of just an opportunity for you to speak a bit. But the, the last question I like to ask all my guests, and this is for the people listening to take something away, is if you could give three key takeaways from your journey, from everything that you've been through, that people could write down and literally implement tomorrow or an hour after listening to this to start you know, getting on their path towards what they want, what would those three key takeaways be? Um, I think probably the biggest one is, uh, don't wait. <laughs> um, that's just like a general rule of thumb is don't wait. I know for myself, I was always waiting for the opportunity. I was always waiting for that jolt of inspiration. I was always waiting for my calling to show up at my front door. And that's not how life works. You have to go out and chase it. And, um, one of my favorite people on the planet, Judy Fox, uh, who's a LinkedIn creator, she is all about um, clarity comes through action. And I love that quote that you have to act, you have to take that first step, and then you will gain clarity as you you move along. Um, so I would say that this number one is don't wait. Uh, number two is uh, chase goals. Like we already mentioned, chase goals that you'd be proud of if nobody else knew that you would achieve them. I think that 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 shift has been the biggest um, kind of thing in my life that's helped me get to this place of like fulfillment and happiness is chasing those small, maybe small goals. Like you mentioned, like enjoying the sunset, taking my dogs for a walk, spending quality time with friends and family, putting down the cell phone. Those are super important and they're just as important as your financial and career goals. Um, and then number three is that is, is probably around, um, giving and don't be afraid to give. I think that in my career, I was always afraid that people were going to steal from me or that they were going to screw me in some way. And I've learned in my own career that the more kindness that you share, the more generous you are with your genius and uh, with the knowledge and experiences that you've had the more it comes back to you. So don't be afraid to give and, and give anyways, even if it doesn't come back to you because it feels really good and it's a good goal to have. Um, but don't have this idea that there's only enough for a certain amount of people because there's more than enough for all of us. Awesome. I love those three. Thank you for, for sharing those. And I think a lot of them were shared throughout the episode, but I like to do that at the end, just so that, like I said, it can give, because yeah, because you could sit there the whole time and write notes and I'm sure there's tons of things people can take away, but I want to try and give three people, three actionable things that they can literally just take and go and, and, and hopefully start their own journey. So thank you again for those. So the last thing, like I said, is more of just an opportunity. I like to give all my guests to promote themselves, promote what they've got going on, let people know how they can connect with them. So the floor is yours. Go ahead. So um, would love to continue this conversation. If this is of interest or you heard something during this podcast that touched your heart and uh, you want to chat more with me about it, you can reach me on LinkedIn, uh, Michaela Alexis. It's just Michael with an A, pretty easy. Um, if you are interested in learning more about LinkedIn training in particular, you can follow my company page, which is very confusing because it's called the exact same thing, but you'll <laughs> notice the difference because one has a logo, one has my photo. Uh, you can also reach me at makealexis.com. That's my website. It includes uh, LinkedIn goodies. It also includes blog posts that touch on some of the subjects that we talked about today. Um, I also hang out on Instagram and that's where I share a lot. If you're interested in kind of following my fertility journey, that's something that I is pretty unique to uh, Instagram. So uh, if you want to learn more about that, then you can connect with me there. Awesome. Yeah. I'll make sure to put all that in the show notes and everything like that. And 
I mean, I can tell you just for, from people listening, I can tell you everything I've learned from Michaela, whether it's directly or indirectly, just through following her journey has helped me. Like I said earlier, you know, you've been an inspiration to me starting to go on my own journey towards this and everything. So she's definitely someone to talk to if, you, if you're if you're in that spot of your life where you're just trying to figure out what's next or where to go. I would definitely suggest reaching out to her and, and seeing how uh, she can help you. And even with LinkedIn, like again, uh, I mean, I know a ton of people that that have used uh, or not used, I guess is the wrong word to say, but have just seen your journey and used it to help get themselves going and get themselves started. So definitely connect with Michaela 1000%. So thanks, that's, Brian. That, oh, no, not a, not a problem. Thank you. Like I said, I, I really appreciate you coming on. I really appreciate you sharing so openly. It's not easy. I, I don't expect a lot of what people share when they come on here. When I started this, it was literally just like, I knew that I uh, there's a lot of people around me and myself even who have just gone through so much and but they've been able to make it out of it and that's you know even the title of the podcast with the word able capitalized the whole point of that is to say vulnerability is is your ability to move forward it, there's there's something in there that is a strength so thank you for coming on thank you for sharing so openly just thank you for being a friend and and for everything you do for your community and and yeah, I just, I appreciate you a lot. And, uh, and hopefully, you know, this will be one of many episodes because I feel like every time I do an episode, there's something that was said where we can do a whole episode just about that. So thank you for coming on again. And, and yeah, I appreciate uh, you taking the time. I appreciate you, Brian. Thank you so much. All right. Take care. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe and follow the podcast on Instagram at vulnerable.podcast or on Facebook and LinkedIn. You can also follow me, Brian Almeida, by searching my name on all platforms. If the podcast has impacted you in any way, I would also greatly appreciate a review. Lastly, if you know anyone with a great story of going from struggle to success, I would love to have them on. Thank you and see you next week.